Welcome to the Forthright Women podcast, where we're dedicated to revealing what keeps women leaders successful and sane. We address challenges like being an executive mom, enabling more women to rise, and fueling our own minds, bodies, and spirits. These conversations are unapologetically real, insightful, and from forthright women themselves. Let's do it. Welcome to the Forthright Women Podcast. I am Ann Candido, and I am joined here by my partner, April Martini. Yes. Hi, everyone. We're back again. Now, we're going to go through all eight weeks of the program like we talked about, and this week is a special week, and it's actually a little bit different than our original week five because we thought that it needed a little bit more clarification, a little bit more focus, because people were having a little bit of trouble figuring out what accountability looked like and what it felt like and what am I supposed to go action against this? So we have taken week five. A lot of the content is still there because it's still extremely important, but we have retitled it and we've kind of repositioned it a little bit. So we wanted to do another podcast episode on this week in order to really exemplify this new direction, which we are calling Clearing the Path. All right. So April, are you ready for this one? I'm ready for it. All right. So April, tell us why this is an important topic, especially for executive moms. Yes. So in the prior week, week four, we talked all about declaring and seizing your vision. And this one is a natural transition point to what to do next, because once you actually go ahead and put out there what you want to be and what you're striving for, then it's time on the other side to get rid of the things that will not keep you on that path or will be distractions or ultimately will get in your way. And the reason this week is so important outside of that is that it helps us examine what gets in the way from two specific lenses. The first is what you yourself are actually doing to hold yourself back, which I know at first people are like, what do you mean? I'm not doing anything. And then, you know, mm-hmm. we, as we like to have these very real conversations, we get into it a little bit deeper and inevitably at, at some point each person's like, oh man, you got me. So the first <laughs> one is what are you doing to hold yourself back? And the other one is where other people are holding you back. And this definitely does, like I said, take some reflection because it requires you to take a look at yourself and then at the same time or after whatever, two part, you then need to take a look at the people around you and you really have to be honest about what's going on in the situations in your life. But what we find is that if you do this and you can take a more objective approach and say, what needs to be cleared from my path, which is part of the reason that we reformatted this one. We had people getting really caught up in some angst and feelings with the whole accountability thing. And I think it was harder for people to get over that. So we feel like if we talk about it as clearing our path, it takes some of that emotion out and you can start from a more objective place of what are the situations that are happening or what are the things that are happening? It Mm -hmm, becomes mm -hmm. less about you as the person or the other person that it happened with. It's more like this is the reality of the situation that I'm dealing with. And so that way you're not getting down on yourself or others in the process. Also, we say all the time that this is a journey. It's a hundred thousand percent the truth. So if you can look at these as growth moments or opportunity areas, that can also help take away some of that negativity. Because as we know, we all are work in progress all the time. And that's the point of this course, Redefining the Art of Being an Executive Mom. Yeah, and I think that's a really, really important point. And I'm glad that we have redefined it to those two points of like, okay, how am I getting in my own way? Which was week two, I believe, yeah. when we talked about that. But then like bringing that back into really 
an actionable way yeah. as well as kind of assessing and like, okay, where do I feel that maybe other people are putting things into my path mm-hmm. that is getting in my way. And I like what you said about it being more of an objective way of looking at it. Cause I think at this point in time, even though we're week five or more than halfway through, it's still hard to take ownership for those things. So as you're looking at these, and I'm going to ask April here in a second to give some examples of, of what this has looked like for her. What we want you to try to sense is that, hey, some of these things, and actually a lot of these things are within my control. At least how I react to them is in my control. We can't always dictate who is in our life and how they behave, but we can at least take accountability. So that's where that word comes back in Mm -hmm. for how we are reacting to these things and then deciding what choice we want to make and not sliding back into that default of those feelings that we're trying to avoid of the, of the guilt or the judgment or, you know, what everybody else is saying and that, you know, they make us feel bad about ourselves. So that what we want you to see is a way that you get in your own way, along with the fact of what you let people put in your path and then blocks you from making your progress towards your vision. So as we talk about clearing the path towards your vision, April, What are some examples of how you've had to do this in your life? Yeah, so I'm going to speak to a super recent one, but I'll kind of back up for a minute here. So one of the things that I have always had a hard time with in life is being in the moment. And so this is something that I've always had to work for. And I think in some ways it's part of the reason that it makes me good at my job is because I have to really be in it in order to do it. And so my mind is very focused in the work. But then sometimes what happens on the other side of that is I never entirely let that stuff turn off. Mm -hmm. And so for my work, it can be really good because my brain's working double, triple, quadruple duty for clients because it's kind of always working through the things that are going on. But where it becomes a problem is when on the other side of that, I have a hard time being present. And a lot of times it comes more in personal situations because I am a problem challenge solver And that is the basis of what we do here at Fourth Rate People for our clients. And so predominantly it's that, not to say it can't happen on the personal side. If there's some kind of personal problem going on, then the same sort of thing is happening. But just recently, we were on vacation of all things. And some of you know this as listeners and some don't, but I suffer from chronic anxiety. So it's Mm -hmm. a hereditary genetic kind of thing. It's not like a lot of times I think people think, we're talking the situational basis, right? Like something happens and I get anxious about it. No, this is like kind of an undercurrent that is always there. And so like I was saying about being in the moment, when there are flare-ups, which happen few and far between, but a lot of times it's when I'm trying to let myself relax and be in the moment. So of course, what happens to me? We go to Michigan. It's supposed Mm -hmm. to be this amazing, fabulous week at the lake. And a couple days in, I'm like, I'm having a freaking anxiety attack. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about in the lens of this one for me is really what do I have to do for myself? But the other half of it became what do I have to ask of other people as a result? So it was definitely a combination, but I would say it started more from really a situation where there was no choice but for me to be focusing on myself and the anxiety gets in my way. And so we're on vacation and I'm thinking to myself, first and foremost, I'm like, oh my gosh, I my big thing on vacations right now is my kids are little. I want them to have a good time. These are the mm-hmm. memories, right? Growing up, 
with the five of us, my some of my greatest memories with my family are all the various vacations we took. And so for me, it's really important that I'm creating those memories. I mean, some of my earliest memories are vacations. Yeah. And so it's very, very important to me that I do that. So the first thing that happened was I started to get in my head about, oh my gosh, are the kids going to have a good time? And is it going to be okay? And all of those types of things. And so really what it came down to was tapping in the other adults on the vacation to make sure that happened. My kids will have no memory of my anxiety from this vacation. I can promise you that. They have, I mean, we talk very honestly about the fact that it happens. Uh, My son's showing signs of having the same thing. So we use that word and we talk about what it is and we talk about the physical manifestations of not feeling well. That's about all they can understand at this point in time. But for the course of that vacation, it was about taking the timeouts when I needed them to take care of myself. And also when those panic things rise, you really have no choice but to manage what's going on. Uh, But on the other side, asking the other adults that were there to step in and and tap in. And the best thing that I've realized coming out of this current situation, and we've talked about this a lot, is this idea of a village. And Anne and I have talked about the fact that it's not a village in the thing of like, this person runs my kid there. They do this task for me or whatever. It's about those people that can step in to replace you when the need arises. And one night on the vacation, I was sitting with my sister and I said, You know, I'm trying to get over the guilt associated with the periods of time where I need to go and kind of be alone or work through it. And I feel bad because I don't want to ruin this trip for anyone. And she looked at me like I was crazy and was (laughs) like, you're not ruining anything for anyone. Also, we all, you know, understand what's going on. And look at the kids. They're out there in the backyard in the blow up pool doing God knows what with my husband, their uncle. And so... When it comes to this whole idea of clearing the path, obviously this is a very recent situation for me, but one in which it was both sides of having to get myself out of my own way and then ask for other people to help. But also I think it brought me back to the reason that these things happen. And unfortunately with chronic anxiety, a lot of times there is no real reason. It's just what is the quote unquote where that has been happening on you for the period of time that a lot of times you don't realize. And so what I've done as a result of this is come back and look at the places where I thought I was prioritizing myself well, and I may not have been doing that. So Mm -hmm. for example, going out on a run by myself several times a week is really important. We got a dog last year. I've been taking the dog. It's actually a point of frustration. The damn dog doesn't want to run with me most days. (laughs) But instead of being like the dog's going in her crate and I'm going on a run because today that's all I have time for, I was like the dog needs to get out so I'm going to take this dog running for me and then I wasn't getting what I was needing as a result. So – That's what we talk about when we say clearing the path. I've reached sort of an impetus, if you will, of where I need to re-examine the day-to-day things in my life so that moving forward, I can manage this more effectively and proactively just because it's a chronic condition that I'll always have to deal with. And I think really fabulous that you shared that because I'm sure a lot of people are feeling the exact same way. Or they have something similar yep. that there's all manifestations of this, yep. right? That plagues them, whether it's um, something that's physically manifested or mentally manifested. Yep. Or it's it's one of those things that kind of establishes itself as I can't do what I want to go do because and yep. fill in the blank. Uh-huh. 
And it could be anything from anxiety. It could be anything to I have little kids to my husband travels to my, you know, work doesn't offer that or, you know, whatever that fill in the blank is. Um, And so I think the point of this episode is really to look at whatever you're putting into the blank Mm -hmm. and actually seeing one, how real it is. In April's case, anxiety that is very real. <laughs> right. It needs to be treated and it needs to be dealt with. And that's one of the things that I think people w- don't actually go do because yep. they feel like they're being dramatic or they feel like it, there's a stigma associated. There's a stigma associated with it or I'm, I'm too busy taking care of everybody else to take care of myself or who can I count on? So first of all, it's like address if it's real and then address, well, how am I going to manage this, right? Yep. It, you shouldn't have to suffer. There's just too much help out there yep. to suffer. You might have to look for the help a little bit, but it is a process. But the thing I think is so important here is don't just check out because you feel like it's some sort of debilitating reason that you can't progress with your ambitions, with your dreams, with your vision. And even though it can be a very significant thing. So I think that was a really great example of how something that's so significant can still be managed in a way to clear the path Mm -hmm. in order for you to continue to progress if you're willing to take accountability for it, if you're willing to take responsibility for it. And like I said, there's all different versions of that. So think about what that is for you. Yeah, I mean, I think the other thing I will say here is there's a lot of self-fulfilling prophecy that goes on. Really great point. And unfortunately, the way that when you when you have anxiety and I'll just keep speaking through that that lens is like if you do nothing about it, it does become a self-fulfilling prophecy. So um, I think that that is another lesson just to think about, like you said, is regardless, we have to be proactive and manage whatever situations are placed in front of us, real or perceived. But the worst thing you can do is be inactive in it. And so you know, for me, when the actual like panic side of it manifests, it's minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, week by week, and then you get back in it. But you have to be cognizant of everything that you're doing and very aware. And so I think that is something that translates to whatever your situation is, is don't let yourself get caught up in the situation. Make sure that you are doing whatever you can to proactively manage it and chip away at it so that you can get to whatever you're trying to get to instead of defaulting because you feel like there's no other way. I think that's exactly right on. And if you're kind of thinking about where you might be on that spectrum, the other side of of that is this has happened to me before, which I put things in my way and then other people put things in my way. It's like, I'm just not good at, right? That's some of the self-fulfilling prophecy. I'm just not good at this. So, or I'm not good at running a business or I'm not good at knowing people or networking or I'm not good at, you know, whatever that is. Or the other side of it is like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to start a business. I don't know how to be a CMO. I don't know, like fill in that blank too. And those start to become the self-fulfilling prophecies. It's like, well, of course, nobody knows. I mean, you have to start to cultivate that. You have to do some research. Like I've talked about in other episodes when I don't know something, the first thing I do is start to do a little bit of Google searching. And for some reason, that helps to alleviate some of the anxiety of not knowing. Because I'm like, okay, all of a sudden I know something. Mm -hmm. And that gives me a little bit more confidence to kind of pursue that path, right? So it's a constant state of just kind of being like you had said in the beginning, like being in the moment, understanding how you're feeling about that, and then continue to kind of progress beyond that to ask yourself, okay, 
what do I need to do in order to to know or to manage my anxiety or to find out a little bit more about this topic or you know find something out or meet something like whatever that needs to be in order to move to the next step yeah yeah absolutely yeah are you ready for some quick fire questions we all know how good I am at these and it's been a week okay all right here we go if you could have dinner with three people who are live who would they be (laughs) oh geez and April has no I I said this time we're not going to like preface the questions (laughs) to each other so she has no idea so oh she has to do whatever my. comes to her head, and she's a processor, so okay. she's interested. Okay, well, okay, I'm going to take the celebrity lens on this because I've been reading lots of biographies lately. Number one is Shaquille O'Neal. As oh, many of you know, yeah. he's my main man, mm-hmm. and I am so intrigued by the hard transition from basketball player to, I think he has a, a doctor behind his name, a PhD, and just a business mogul, so he's one. The second one I would say is Matthew Perry. I'm fresh off of his. So when I don't have a better answer, this is how it works. So there's uh-huh. a little insight into my brain. However, I left and came back from that book many times and thought it was going to be a whole lot heavier and like emotionally taxing than it was. And I just so appreciate that he owns his journey and also is still hopeful because we can't see the future and we can't predict it, that he's going to stay on the right track. And then the third one I'm going to say is uh, Mr. Will Smith, who I also, which is going to make Anne laugh because I was, I was a former fan of his and then kind of fell off. And then Anne said, please read this book. You will enjoy it just purely from the performance art and also probably the fact that I lived through a lot of him, right? And by read, you mean listen to Listen. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Yeah, because it's a totally, it's a total experience to listen to that book. Yeah, I would say in quotes. But the thing that I really found interesting about him was his ability to solidify what he wanted at the coaxing of his manager, and you and I have talked about this, Anne, because he was a little bit frenetic and chasing various things, right? right? But then when forced to really make that decision and hold himself accountable, he was like, I want to be the biggest movie star in the world. And he achieved that. And I don't think I ever even internalized that until I listened to slash read his book. So anyway, I'm like I said, uh, I'm going the famous route. I'm going the recency route. But I I do think that when you look at famous people, especially people that are very much in the public eye, and then you get to actually understand their journey, it just really makes them more human. So I'm Mm -hmm. a little bit down this path of like fascination, but also realness with it. I've never been someone that is like, you know, you see a celebrity and you freak out and you can't talk. I'm just like, I don't, you know, they're famous, but whatever. This has given me sort of a new way to think about that fame. That'd be a very entertaining dinner party I know right and you put all of them and me that would be hysterical wow (laughs) yeah anyway all right right, there you go I love it trying to be succinct and quick you did good you did good uh one more okay Mm -hmm. if you could choose the professions for your kids what would they be oh man so I have said this in different ways many times and I said this in my recent venue interview The best thing my parents did for the five of us kids is never compare us to each other and allow us to live into our individual passions. That didn't mean they didn't hold us accountable or hold us to high standards. That's not what I'm saying, so don't mishear that. But all of us have very, very different professions from each other, and I think it's a result of that. And so when I think about my two and where they are right now, I would say that 
for Sam, I would like him to find a path on the more creative side. He is a fantastic artist and mm-hmm. he commits himself to it and he's way better than I ever could have imagined. I think at his age, being seven and a half, he gets caught up in the things that you expect. Right now, he wants to be Ronaldo when he grows up. I'm like, dude, Ronaldo's (laughs) been playing soccer since he could walk. And also, let's just be real about our skills. I don't say that. Uh, So, but But I do think it is unique how much he loves it, how it is a safe space for him when he is feeling anxious. And he just inherently has a talent in it. And so I hope that he continues to explore that because I think that could be a really good thing for him. With Mia, it's harder. She's only four and a half. But one of the things I appreciate about her is she has this quiet confidence about her where she doesn't need other people's approval. And man, I hope she keeps that. But for her, I could see her really investing herself in a profession that is more... um, like research focused or Mm. and in a problem solving way like she's my one that you don't know she's processing and solving and then all of a sudden she'll come to you like the other day she answered Sam's math problem out of nowhere when we were working on it Mm. so I just think like her little mind and her ability to immerse herself really would serve her at this point in time who knows she's four and a half but um, to something along the lines of like research that gets to uncovering I don't know maybe I I don't want to say doctor because I can't do math and science but some some sort of problem solution investigation type role or a hacker or a hacker I mean yeah that's the other side of a personality which yeah that's another topic for another day yeah anyway I love it no those are good I like that thank you for uh sharing that and, and and giving that context for us I think that was really interesting yeah not so quick but you know that's okay there we go I think you did okay that's what I'm only gonna ask you too <laughs> All right, so thank you all for joining us and thank you all for being forthright women. Awesome. Being a forthright woman can be challenging on a good day, which is why we offer individual and group coaching as well as group trainings and keynotes. Check out our website, forthright-women.com to learn more. If you find this podcast of value, please rate and review us and share with other women who could use a boost to become a forthright woman.